Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Hope you had a great weekend. We're ready to kick off a new week. Thanks for letting us be part of your day. Coming up today, we'll talk weather with DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson. We're going to talk about trying to get a tax extenders package through Congress. Our guest will be former Senator Byron Dorgan. He'll be joining us later in the program. And our Farm Progress Show preview series continues, looking ahead to next month's Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois. Show manager Matt Youngman will join us for a preview. But we're going to start things off today and for the week with a check on the news with Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, thanks for joining us. I guess the focus this week will be on the budget, right? Absolutely. Well, there's so many things to be focused on that are of vital importance to this country. However, right now there seems to be a Twitter fight over whether President Trump's comments about the squad, the four congresswomen that uh, he's been in a squabble with for several weeks of, uh, in his most recent tweet. So that's taking over the Twitter sphere. But uh, people who really worry about day-to-day issues, like many of us in rural America, are wondering how we're going to keep our government funded uh, after September 30th. And we've got some really key deadlines coming up. And if the Congress does not act, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin has warned Speaker Pelosi in a letter as of Friday that we could possibly start running out of money in September. So there is an urgent need to get moving. But as always, uh, there seems to be a lot of disagreement on how high those budget numbers should be set and what the priority should be within those numbers. So you've got a lot of back and forth going on uh, in the midst of all these other issues, Mike, and it it seems like it's uh, going to be very, very difficult for them to get something passed before they do leave for the August recess. The House is expected to leave July 26th and the Senate August 2nd. These things usually go right down to the wire. You have to have the threats of the government shut down, maybe even... uh... Uh, we might even have the partial shutdowns or, you know, things like that, temporary things. I mean, that's kind of the way these things work anymore. They don't get them done ahead of time very often. No, it's almost like they need a very firm deadline or a disaster pending to get any of these things done. Um, Of course, they could always resort to the continuing resolution or the CR. There is some talk about having an agreement that would fund the government until December at current levels to give them more time to work things out. So stay tuned on whether or not we reach a deadline and somebody actually says, ah, we should act on this, rather than punting it down the road. Meanwhile, the controversy over moving the Economic Research Service and National Institute of Food and Agriculture from Washington, D.C. to Kansas City, that controversy is not letting up at all, is it? No, it's not. As we reported in our Washington Week Ahead on agripulse.com this morning, today is the deadline for employees to say whether they're going to move to Kansas City. And and, uh, 
this whole scheme of things, we really don't know that uh, all 500 are going to stay or go. We do know that the departments are starting to hire some people in the Kansas City area already, and there is a hearing this week, Senate Ag Committee, um, prompted by Senator Debbie Stabenow, who's been very, very concerned about this. Uh, They're going to have a hearing on Thursday to bring Scott Hutchins, who's the deputy uh, secretary. He's not been able to get confirmation for full secretary over research. Uh, he'll be brought up to uh, the hearing room and trying to defend these moves. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of activity around whether or not uh, all the current employees are going to move. I, I think it's no secret that quite a few want to quit or have quit, but uh, whether the majority will take them up on their offers uh, remains to be seen after today. And, of course, uh, the the push is underway for passage of USMCA, but it looks like that's going to be later in the year. Do you think that's more likely to be a vote if it happens this year right before the Christmas break? I think it's going to be passed to, to down till the last possible time frame this year. I did see a couple senators quoted this weekend as saying they thought that it could be done before the August recess. And as I just mentioned earlier, there's really not much time left when you've got all these other issues. So um, it's unlikely before August recess, but you have seen the administration, as I shared with you last week, really kicking up their game on this. You've got uh, the president in Milwaukee on Friday. Uh, Vice President Pence is in in California. Secretary Purdue is still in California trying to sway some Democrats who may be on the fence to support this very, very important trade deal. At the same time, you've got a lot of farm organizations who are starting to kick up their game on this and weigh in, meet with their elected representatives, and talk about the importance of getting it done. Well, they're also making their case. uh, So so when members of Congress go back home for that August recess. That'll be on the minds uh, of, of voters, so hopefully that'll be a topic of conversation. So I kind of see, it, you know, they come back from that August recess, and, and then when the administration submits the implementing bill, that what you got 90 days there. I mean, I could see that going right to the uh, to the Christmas break. before. And again, getting back to them not doing anything till they have to, uh, I could see it coming right down to that deadline. Absolutely. Down to the wire is kind of the way it looks right now. And and I do think uh, you make a good point. This is something my uh, family always did. My dad would invite their, our congressman out to our house. And I, it's something that it's very, very important for elected representatives to know how farmers and ranchers feel on these issues. So the August recess is a good time to do that. And China, who knows, right? Uh, we hear about maybe some phone calls and things, but nothing really. We haven't seen those purchases of ag goods that the, the president talked about after the G20 summit. No, we've not. They've got a long ways to go. And as uh, we've reported, the talks between the two countries did resume last week, but we're not really seeing any great activity, certainly not on the agricultural purchase side. We are seeing some pushback from the Chinese about uh, trying to counter some of the things that the president has said on the advancements in talks with reaching that critical deal. Uh, At the same time, we're also seeing business activity and consumer spending in China continue to slow down. 
So this has got to be at the forefront of what the Chinese leaders are looking at as well, trying to put a positive spin on not a very good situation in their country as a result of these tariff activities, but at the same time wanting to make sure that they are positioned for the long game, uh, something that President Trump really doesn't have the ability to do because, of course, he's got re-election coming up sooner than later. All right, Sarah, always good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mike. Have a good day. Take care. Mm-hmm. Sarah Wyant, editor, president of AgriPulse Communications. Well, we got parts of the country with way too much rain still. Other parts of the country could use some rain. We're going to talk about that with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson as he gives us a look at the forecast for the country the week ahead and beyond. So stay with us here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we have talked before about the potential benefits of gene editing and livestock production, but there is a, a battle going on about oversight of that technology. Should it be with FDA where it's at, or should it be moved to USDA, like many in the livestock industry, like the National Pork Producers Council would like to see? Let's talk about it with Dr. Dan Kovich, who is Director of Science and Technology for the National Pork Producers Council. Dan, thanks for joining us again. Why do you feel it's best to have the oversight with USDA? What we're concerned about is what is actually getting approved. Is it the edit or this altered genome, and how does that affect how the descendants of these animals are going to be regulated on farms and ranches. That's where we feel that that post-approval piece, that the USDA has the expertise and, more importantly, the existing authority to regulate the descendants of gene-edited animals. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you, and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. We create professional materials and submit them to companies who are looking for new ideas in your category. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review new ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manual 
manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We offer 3D modeling and animation, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to present client ideas to additional companies. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 1-800-213-4556. That's 1-800-213-4556. Again, 1-800-213-4556. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And time to talk weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, thanks for being with us. Well, once again, areas with way too much water, other areas needing some water. Well, very true, Mike. Uh, This past week, uh, it it was... uh, quite something to behold. I wrote a blog item that uh, I hope to uh, be able to get posted later this afternoon about that. Um, the uh, The title of it is uh, Bury the Beltway and South Central Nebraska. And I started out by saying, uh, by, by looking at the idea of uh, the title being Bury the Beltway and Buffalo County, but uh, that was maybe a little bit too inside baseball. Um, but this past week, we had occurrences uh, of, of uh, of once again showing examples of how in this uh, in this uh, warmer uh, general climate pattern that we are in that uh, rainfall when it occurs can be just out of bounds and and so we had the uh, the occurrence of uh, tropical storm hurricane now tropical depression bury in the delta uh, just unload on uh, the the lower delta and now farther north uh, throughout the entire region, uh, as far north as the Missouri Boot Heel, uh, with uh, flooding and uh, and all sorts of uh, crop issues. Uh, that that happened actually uh, late last week. It's still going on. Uh, just ahead of that, kind of backing up about uh, two days or so, um, South Central Nebraska, the area that I that I originate in, uh, my home area. I had anywhere from four to ten inches of rain, and this is a part of the country that does not. It, it gets it gets four to ten inches of rain over a three-month period, mm-hmm. but not in one fell swoop. And so there has been extensive flooding uh, in an, in uh, a big area of uh, South Central Nebraska. And again, this was all just rain. It wasn't uh, river flooding. There was some of that around Kearney, Nebraska, and Wood River, but but many areas just got bombed uh, with a heavy rainfall, or dumped on, I should say. And then, of course, last week, the first of the week, Washington, D.C., got uh, so much rain that uh, the White House basement had flooding or had water leaking in and, uh, and uh, caused all sorts of issues there. Three areas extremely far apart geographically, tied together by what? Occurrences of very heavy outrageous rain. And uh, then on the other hand, um, it is turning dry in uh, central Iowa, western, uh, southern Iowa as well, and then into northern and central Illinois. And frankly, Mike, I don't know if this part of the Corn Belt is uh, going to get a whole lot of rain over the next five days, and it is going to be hot and stressful. So we've had, we've had uh, just uh, the, whole, the whole mix of uh, heavy precip, 
hot temperatures, dry conditions, what, uh, what, what's to be wondered at, right, because of uh, how this season has already been so completely jumbled up already. Yeah, 2019 won for the record books, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm hearing from farmers talking about, you know, their their ground is crusted over hard as, you know, just like bricks practically, and they really need some rain on that. I wouldn't be a bit surprised uh, because of, of the amount of uh, of stress. Uh, if uh, That's probably not a, not a correct soil science term, but I'll run with it. Uh, the kind of stress that uh, soils have had uh, with the, with with the very heavy rainfall and the very wet conditions, uh, and then it turning off uh, so uh, so very warm to hot and dry so quickly, uh, you know that there's a, a whole lot going on in the soil structure that uh, is not um, that that is not able to to uh, to offer a, a real good uh, profile for crop progress. And you see, and I got to get into this, Mike, because I, I've heard the comment, I've seen the comment that, well, uh, roots are going to go down into that subsoil and they're going to tap those subsoil moisture reserves, you know, and all this sort of thing. You've heard it too. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't, you cannot tell me that a week of, of temperatures with 95 to 99 degrees and heat index values of over 100 is going to be not threatening to crops. I mean, good grief, I could hardly go out and do anything for more than about 15 minutes in that kind of uh, conditions. How can, a, you know, how can a, a corn or soybean plant manage to, you know, keep on keeping on with that kind of stress? This is a tough week ahead. I was going to say, what do we have this week? Who's going to get some moisture, and uh, what, are, what kind of temperatures are we looking at this week? Well, it is going to be a tough week, uh, particularly south of U.S. Highway 20. Between Highway 20 at the north and then uh, the Ohio Valley, uh, the uh, southern part of Illinois, Missouri, Boot Hill on the south, because uh, you get north of 20, that's where the the uh, the whole air mass uh, breakup uh, boundary layer is going to be for moderate to heavy rain in Minnesota, South Dakota, northern Iowa. Uh, North Dakota is going to get some showers. And then um, we, we, of course, are going to see the heavy rains in the Delta, maybe the lower Ohio Valley. But in between that, uh, it's going to be a week of uh, temperatures exceeding uh, the mid-90s, heat index values of 100-plus uh, over most of Iowa, the northern half to two-thirds of Illinois, and then possibly into Indiana and Ohio as well with only light precip. Now, farther west, it's uh, also going to be hot and dry. Uh, the wheat growers in Kansas are just rolling along with wheat harvest. They're doing uh, much better. But uh, it's going to be a week when uh, uh, in the uh, far western areas of the Corn Belt, the uh, center pivots are going to have to fire up in all likelihood. It's just been one thing after another, and it, it, it changes seemingly overnight. All of a, Like we said, you know, you go from, well, we need some hot, humid weather to get to kind of help these plants catch up, and now we're worried about them cooking out there. Very, very true. Now, this week is going to be tough. I should say that next week is uh, looking a little bit less stressful because uh, it looks like the the big uh, driver for this heat uh, out of the Texas Panhandle and so forth, the uh, upper air ridge that's causing a lot of that, is going to head westward more into the Four Corners area and then uh, into the uh, the inter uh, the intermountain west, and so that is going to uh, offer a little bit of less heat 
into the Midwest during next week. So it is going to be milder on temperatures. I'm uh, not too optimistic that it's going to be accompanied by a lot of precipitation, though. But at least the temperatures will be less stressful. Yeah, it just seems like depending on where you're at, you're either hoping to catch a shower or miss it the next shower, right? Very, very true. And and uh, the 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 uh, likelihood of uh, the northern Midwest uh, catching the rain is uh, quite strong. Another thing that's interesting about the uh, tropical depression berry rainfall, Mike, is that it doesn't look like berry's going to be a real generous rain producer much out of that uh, Delta, Missouri, Boot Hill vicinity. Uh, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot of moisture that makes its way farther east and north, and I think that that's a little bit of a, disappoint, uh, a, little bit of a disappointment uh, to understate things uh, when uh, we think about how, how uh, this uh, forecast is going to play out over the eastern Midwest, because there have been some thought that Barry was going to drag a lot of this moisture with it uh, in its uh, final evolution and so forth. But it looks like a lot of it is just going to kind of wash out over the Delta and then into uh, the deep south, the lower Mississippi Valley. Well, you told us last week that was a possibility that it would just kind of keep all the moisture right there and kind of block off other areas. Yeah, and and, uh, unfortunately for for producers in, in that Delta corridor, uh, they're having just more more uh, wet weather problems uh, that you know that they have experienced uh, along with uh, many growers in the Midwest going back to last spring, and um, there there is some concern now about uh, you know obviously uh, just uh, just being able to get through the season in some in some semblance of of a uh, decent fashion business wise because there are so many complications with the flooding and the problems with the river and and uh, what that does to to uh, cropping practices and and uh, cropping sequences so uh, there are there are certainly a, a lot of uh, issues that uh, tropical storm or tropical storm hurricane berry um, you know kind of uh, threw into uh, another uh, element of uh, of uncertainty and problems uh, over the last five days. 2019, one for the books, and uh, a lot of people ready to turn the page and move on from this one, that's for sure. As always, Bryce, thanks for keeping us up to date. You're welcome, Mike. DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Well, coming up next, we've talked a lot about uh, efforts to get a tax extenders package through Congress, the challenges there. Of course, the biodiesel industry very much wanting to see a biodiesel tax credit reinstated and left in place for a while and then eventually phased out. That's critical to the struggling biodiesel industry. Where are we with those efforts? What are the challenges? Someone who's uh, speaking out on the, the need to get a tax extenders package is someone with a lot of background in this type of thing. We're going to talk with former North Dakota Senator Byron Dorgan. That's coming up next here on AOA. Stay with us. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. 
through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section and after Dad's back injury. They helped when you were in pain, and you held on to them just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Trouble with opioids can start at home with unused medicines, such as pills, patches, and syrups. You can remove the risk and protect your family. Find out how at www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Granite oil seed sector defensive on this Monday. Early this morning, the center of tropical depression Barry was west-southwest of Little Rock, Arkansas. That depression moving toward the north. That motion expected to continue through today before turning off to the northeast by Tuesday. In the Midwest weather forecast, temperatures near to above normal in the 6- to 10-day outlook with rainfall mostly below normal, something for the trade to watch. December corn moved to a sharply higher close on Friday. We closed above the 20-day moving average at 448 and a quarter. As long as we maintain gains above that level, the bulls retain the short-term technical edge. We are defensive an hour into the day, but the bulls still have that edge with December corn at 452 and three quarters, down six and a quarter. In soybeans, November down a dime at 921 and a half. November soybeans advance for the fifth session in a row on Friday. On the upside, bean bulls see bullish chart targets at 934 and a quarter and then 948, the latter representing the June 18th swing high. For the wheats, Chicago September down eight and a half at 514 and a half. Minneapolis September down nine and a half at 533 and a quarter. Kansas City September down eight and a half at 458 and three quarters. Livestock at the Merck and live cattle, the August contract down 17 at 108.30. Feeder cattle August down 30 at 141.30. Lean hog futures, the August contract 27 cents higher at 80.92 per hundred weight. The Dow flat, crude oil near unchanged. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. My mom's a breast cancer survivor. The United Breast Cancer Foundation saved her life. Their free breast cancer exam caught the cancer early, and it saved her life. But now the foundation needs your help so they can continue offering free or low-cost breast screening exams, saving more women's lives. Help them by donating your car, whether it's running or not. They'll provide fast, free 24-hour pickup, and you receive a charitable tax deduction, plus the great feeling you'll get knowing your donated car is going to help save more lives. Just call 800-745-3327 to set the wheels in motion. They take cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, running or not. Call 800-745-3327. The United Breast Cancer Foundation needs your help, and your donation could literally save women's lives, helping them catch breast cancer early like they did with my mom. Donate today, 800-745-3327, 800-745-3327. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. 
Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, Congress still has a lot to do in the short period of time before their August recess. One of the things that certainly the biodiesel industry would like to see get done would be a tax extenders package. We're going to talk about that now with former North Dakota Senator Byron Dorgan, who's been a champion for the biodiesel industry and the efforts to get a tax extenders, including that biodiesel tax credit passed. Senator, thank you for being with us. Uh, do you see a path forward on this tax extenders package? Well, good morning, Mike. How are you? Very good. Uh, I hope to, hope there's a path forward. We're working very hard to try to do that. Uh, you know, when I was uh, a senator, I actually was one of the authors of the Renewable Fuels Standard to help create a renewable fuels industry with uh, ethanol and biodiesel and so on. And it's been unbelievably successful, actually. But but now we're kind of uh, finding some significant headwinds. It's been it's stalled. I mean, we're we're not getting the uh, the volume obligations out of the EPA. We're not getting uh, an extension of the tax credit. We've got some issues on trade that we've got to deal with. So my hope is this tax credit gets done. It it's been way too long. Uh, and the this industry, you know, it, it's interesting. The oil industry has gotten tax incentives for a hundred years. And, and uh, the, the industry of renewable fuels has been, and, and also, uh, uh, you know, other fuels as well, other other kinds of uh, power. It's been off on stutter start, start, and just doesn't make any sense. You know, this ought to be consistent and predictable. So, what's the biggest stumbling block right now to keep that's preventing a tax extenders package from going through? You know, it's interesting. The uh, the bill was introduced in the House uh, by Amy Finkenauer and, and Ron Kind. Amy's from Iowa and Ron is from Wisconsin and supported by Sherry Bustos and Darren LaHood and many others. And then uh, the, sec- the, the uh, chairman of the Ways and Means Committee uh, held a hearing, uh, then held a markup, passed it out of the committee. So, you know, there's progress, but the key is to get a piece of legislation through the full House and then get it through the Senate. And, you know, we, we want, of course, the leaders of the House and the Senate to agree that this is a priority and to get the legislation completed so the biodiesel industry understands their predictability and some consistency in the incentives that exist. Yeah, there has not been consistency for the biodiesel industry, that's for sure, with an on, on and off again uh, situation with the biodiesel tax credit. So, Ideally, would it be put it in place for several years, know what's there, and then start a phase-out as the industry continues to grow and mature? Well, ideally, put it in place for several years, and then let's talk about the longer term. Uh, I mean, I happen to think this is an industry that is really worth celebrating for our country. You know, let me just mention biodiesel as an example. Uh, I'm very supportive of the ethanol industry as well, but the, the, the biodiesel is the advanced fuel. It's the only advanced fuel that has really made it to substantial commercial production. And if you put that in uh, off-the-road trucking or over-the-road trucking, I should say, you can get up to 70 80% reduction in carbon emissions. Well, that's a really big deal. And uh, so I, I just think it's worth celebrating. It's, it's certainly worth continuing to provide the incentives. And we also, as I should mention to you, that we've faced headwinds not only with respect to not getting these tax extenders done, but uh, you're probably familiar with the waivers given some yep. refineries, which is a disaster. I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. And then the what are called RVOs, the volume obligations coming out of the EPA, are anemic, suggesting no growth at all. So we've got a lot of things that we've got to be working on here to 
to advance this industry, and uh, the industry is poised to advance, but it needs some help. We're talking with former North Dakota Senator Byron Dorgan. You talked about uh, being part of writing the RFS, and then we see things like the way EPA continues to hand out the waivers, uh, really undermining, weakening the RFS. That's not what Congress intended. That's not what you intended, right, when you wrote it? Not at all. You know, I wrote that uh, legislation in the Senate, uh, Senate Energy Committee, with Jim Talent from Missouri and Tim Johnson from South Dakota. The three of us were the authors of the Renewable Fuel Standard, the RFS. And, and we didn't, you know, we did provide a waiver for hardship, but, you know, is there really hardship when, when you give waivers like candy to Exxon that has a $19 billion net income or Chevron a $9 billion net income, and they're suggesting that the refiners, refineries they own uh, have hardship? I mean, give me a break. What happened is uh, the EPA just gave out these uh, exemptions. They didn't care. The waivers, uh, they, they gave them out uh, without regard to merit. And I am so angry about that because that's not what any of us intended when we wrote this legislation. Let's talk about that because I think that's what has been lost in this over the years. Just what was the intent of the RFS? It was to promote and develop a domestic biofuels industry, right? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Because, you know, look, go back to 2005, 2007. In both of those years, we wrote major energy bills. And uh, both of them contained the RFS uh, in two stages. And the, the goal was to say, okay, we're producing a lot of uh, oil and gas in America, but, uh, but we're also importing a lot. So let's provide diversity of fuels for the long term. And so let's create a, a renewable fuel industry. And we did. And as I said, it's worth celebrating because it's been very, very successful. And uh, so we, but we did not intend to let the oil industry or others, uh, you know, come along with these goofy uh, exemptions and waivers by the EPA. They, you know, what happened was they got Scott Pruitt over at the EPA, and uh, he was spending full time uh, caring about what the oil industry wants. And listen, the oil and gas industry, the, particularly the oil industry, has had uh, the renewable fuel standard on their hit list ever since we enacted it. They don't like it, and I understand that they don't like competition, but competition is good for them. And what do you think of the oil industry saying they want USDA completely out? They don't want USDA to know anything about or have anything to do, uh, no influence at all over the waiver decisions. Well, that's absurd. You know, the ESBA, the, the, the USDA should have a significant amount of influence. And by the way, they've made recommendations that the EPA has just fundamentally ignored. They've, you know, there have been studies that show that there's at least half of these cases there's been no hardship at all, none, and and yet they still get the waivers. And so part of what is happening is, you know, they're destroying the demand for biodiesel. It's been, uh, you know, somewhere between three and 400 million gallons destroyed. And um, it, it's, it really is upsetting for those of us who cared about uh, building and, and uh, increasing the size of this renewable fuels industry to see what is happening with these waivers. It, there, there's no justification for it all at all. And, you know, we've also, as you know, faced headwinds with respect to trade decisions. In fact, we just got one the other day that stands logic on its head. Uh, you know, they, they are going to, I think, reduce the subsidy, uh, or I should say not the subsidy, but they, what they're going to do is reduce uh, the tariffs that exist on Argentine uh, 
uh, biodiesel that comes into our country, and uh, it, it just, it's, it's a decision that makes no sense at all. Then the EPA releasing their proposal for 2020 RVO levels that really gives no growth to the industry when the industry's shown it can produce higher levels. Yeah, this industry has has the capability of substantial growth, but it's being retarded at this point because uh, we've got folks over there that are running the uh, the RFS program, and they're deciding that we're just going to flatline it. Well, that, I mean that's that's an awful thing to do because. Number one, it causes lost jobs. It uh, it sends signals to the industry that uh, you know the country doesn't care much about the industry. Look, we need people over at EPA and USDA and the Department of Energy and in the White House who are willing to stand up and celebrate the growth of this industry because this is what exactly what we wanted to do when we wrote the renewable fuel standard. And we have all these people talking about the environment and reducing greenhouse gases and things like that. And, mm-hmm. But yet they kind of ignore or don't encourage growth in our biofuels industry that would uh, help with all those things they say they're for. That's exactly the case. This industry has provided very substantial jobs across the country. It provides uh, demand for you know soybeans and uh, animal fat and uh, uh, a whole series of products that can be turned into biodiesel, just as an example. And you know it, it just makes sense for our country to continue this. Uh, but to face these kinds of headwinds on, on tax and trade and flatlining uh, the growth over at uh, EPA and the White House makes no sense at all to me. Now, look, President Trump uh, went to Iowa. In fact, I think I was on the same program as he was years, several years ago uh, in Iowa at a conference, and uh, he, he was very explicit. He said, I support renewable fuels. You can count on me to support them. Well, and I, th- I think he does support uh, renewable fuels, but the fact is we've got people in EPA and elsewhere who must not understand that message because they're doing us uh, real harm here and destroying gallons by giving these waivers and by flatlining the renewable volume obligations and so on. And uh, over in commerce now by making the decision in the last week or two on trade with respect to Argentina is very hurtful. Well, Senator, thank you for your uh, your perspective on this, especially for from someone who was uh, there and part of writing the RFS, and I think it's very good to get that context of how far we've drifted away from the original intent on this, the way EPA has been handling it. Thank you for the perspective well, and your thoughts. Yeah, thanks for your program. And let me just make one final point. This industry is really good for rural America all across the country with jobs and economic growth and opportunities. So, you know, let's continue to build this. Very good. Thank you, Senator. Thanks a lot. Good to talk. Former North Dakota Senator Byron Dorgan. Uh, That's just something we need to uh, point out more and more is what the intent of the RFS was and how its uh, EPA uh, has allowed that to to erode over the years with some of these decisions like the RVO levels and and the waivers that they've been granting. All right, coming up next, we'll look ahead to next month's Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois. Stay with us here on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 
145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. I had to tell. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, despite uh, the E15 announcement uh, about a month ago, uh, we're really here at a, at a crossroads, it seems like. I'm going to talk about it with Jeff Cooper, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Jeff, thanks for being with us. Uh, it seems like the administration has been trying to walk down the middle and try to keep both sides happy, but we're coming to a point where they're going to have to make a decision one way or another which way they're going to go, aren't they? The simplest way to explain that, Mike, is we expect about 50 million gallons of new ethanol demand to result from the E15 year-round approval that's the output of about one small ethanol plant uh, annually. On the other hand, the demand we've lost through small refiner exemptions is something greater than 2 billion gallons of ethanol. 2 billion gallons is, is roughly equivalent to the output of about 20 large ethanol plants. So it's not a, not a fair trade here uh, when we talk about E15 for small refiner exemptions. Join us on Adams on Agriculture. Bad theater seats, cheap Halloween masks, my apartment, all things with obstructed views. Add to these large trucks and buses. 18 wheelers and large buses have big blind spots and like my apartment, they don't always have the best view. Bus and truck drivers deal with blind spots around the entire vehicle. Always take care not to ride alongside or too close behind them. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains, 
dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with an SPF of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And this Farm Progress Show preview report brought to you by Resistance Fighter from Syngenta. Knock out tough and resistant weeds in your fields with Syngenta in your corner. Joining us now is Farm Progress Director of Trade Shows, Matt Youngman. Matt, we can say next month's Farm Progress Show is right around the corner, August 27th, 28th, and 29th. You feeling a little bit better about how crops look and uh, how things are going for the show? Yeah, everything is, you know, for the for the field demo crops, we're, we're feeling pretty good. I was texting with the host farmers this weekend, and, uh, um, you know, he I asked him how the crops were doing because I knew I had to use that was going to be your first question, and, and his, his exact quote was, it, they are cooking along. And so that's good. You know, we're getting over that 85-degree threshold so that we're getting max heat units every day um looks like maybe this uh, hurricane might drop a little bit of water on that corn which would be pretty good they're they're getting fairly dry and, and looking for some water but um you know in terms of, of what mother nature can do for us she, she gave us some bits this spring but but right now we're certainly getting the heat we need to crank the corn along and be in good shape for the end of august yeah chance of some uh, moisture this early this week which would be helpful uh but when we think back to mid-may when you were trying to get planted it's amazing how far it's come in a short period of time yeah it was it was crazy to be there you know end of june early july i think it was right at the end of june when i was there and and to see tassels coming out after everything we went through that spring it it was it was great to see that cranking along but you know 75 day corn and and 80 day corn that we've got planted out there it's gonna it's gonna move right along when it's getting central Illinois heat on it well, we're going to come over, uh, I'm going to come over next week, and we're going to sit down and have our roundtable again. I uh, look forward to talking with you and host farmer David Bricks and uh, uh, Sanjita Rep, and we'll talk of more crop and field conditions uh, at that time. Right now, though, let's focus on some of the other things going on for the show. How are plans going? Really, really, really well. You know, it, it's it's that time of year where, where the, the voicemail box and the inbox is filling up, and, and everybody's kind of... Uh, come to the realization that you mentioned at the at the beginning of this this talk we're having, and that is that the show's just over a month away. You know, we're 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 counting it down by the weeks now. Next week, the the tent companies get on site for good, and the landscape companies get on site for good, and 
So all the talk is about to start to turn into some action, and, and you might actually see some when, when you're there with us next week. It's, it's getting pretty exciting. I know you've got a lot of things planned, and a lot of companies have things planned to showcase, uh, unveil some new things. Yep, that, that's exactly right. There's, there's a lot of brand-new equipment going to be unveiled at the show. We've talked about the, the AFS, tractor, AFS Connect tractor from Case and the high-horsepower tractors from Kubota and, and the, the lineup coming out from Versal and, and Kloss and, and the Fent family getting new additions and, and just lots of stuff. Something that we, we actually just got done here in the last oh, 72 hours. We worked hard on it on Friday, and it's been kind of working hard over the weekend. A lot of questions out there in the in the countryside about hemp and what that's going to mean and exactly what it is and, and what you can do with it and, and really a lot of a lot of basic questions about about what that is and we just put together a program like I said in the last several hours with the National Hemp Association and they're going to take a sixty by sixty area and fill it with content and you know really have we, we haven't even fully named it yet but but we're going to have a hemp pavilion hemp 101 learning area some kind of a thing like that where growers can come and get their questions answered and and you know just just basically get a start on on learning what all that means to them well there there is a lot of interest there's a lot of quest there are a lot of questions some skepticism and uh, some doubts but uh, I, I think it, curiosity if nothing else by some so i would imagine that a lot of people will check that out yeah, I, you know, it, it, you know, as as we're all growers out here in the countryside, we're, we're you know we hear about it and you hear about that guy up the road or maybe that guy in the neighboring county that that's put in five acres of it and he's going to make you know he's going to be driving a brand new pickup truck every day because of how much money he's going to make and and so to try to figure out what it means and how it works and what do you do with it and and you know they are working on crop insurance issues with it and and trying to figure those kind of things out you know there's just it, it's kind of an it's kind of a burgeoning thing, and and so it, it'll it'll be interesting to see what kind of learnings there are from that because I've got a lot of the same questions, you know, for for our family farm. Is this something that we need to look at or not? Well, as we've talked about before, probably no one will be harvesting that last week of August, so that ought to clear the calendar for a lot of uh, folks to come and be at the show. That's that's exactly right. You know, 2019 has been an awful tough year, and, and I and, and the thing I've, I've kind of been talking about here, and, and, and folks are kind of agreeing with me when you talk to folks at coffee shops or county fairs, is that, you know, 2019 has been really tough, and Farm Progress Show is, is going to be everybody's chance to, to it, it's the first glimpse at putting 2019 behind us, and let's make some, let's do some planning for 2020 and, and look forward, and, and farmers, as you know, are, are optimists. And, and and so uh, let's take some of that optimism and, and gather together with folks that have gone through the same horrible spring as, as the rest of us and uh, look forward to 2020 and, and make some plans, learn some things, and figure out what's going what's gonna to make the farm better for, for, for the future. Farm Progress Show, August 27th, 28th, and 29th in Decatur, Illinois. And how are things looking out in Grand Island, Nebraska, for Husker Harvest Days in September? Nebraska's had some tough weather, too. They have, you know, they had that that really tough spring with the the snow snow melt runoff and and, and heavy rains, and then just just in within the last week there was nine ten inches of rain just west of the show site, and the Wood River came right back out of its banks again. The same anhydrous tanks that were were lining the streets this spring, they had to evacuate that that plant again and and move stuff up onto high ground, but. Uh, 
like that's starting to recede and it's starting to get under control. It's just been a really tough year in Nebraska this year. The site is doing great. Um, you know, all that destruction we did is, is in great shape. Great. Matt, good to talk with you. See you soon. Thanks a lot, Mike. Matt Youngman, Director of Trade Shows for Farm Progress. This preview brought to you by Resistance Fighter from Syngenta. Knock out tough and resistant weeds in your fields with Syngenta in your corner. That does it for today. Thanks for joining us on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids, parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From cancer patients to accident survivors, waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm-mm. Text and catch the bus. Text and miss your stop. Wait, 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 wait. Text and be late to work. Sorry, I'm late. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. (sighs) Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Ugh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.